Welcome to the Mavericks and Misfits podcast, where not quite fitting into the religious status quo is a good thing. Slick church trends deceive us. Denominational traditions can blind us. But truth from the heart of God always transforms us. And now, here's our host, a self-proclaimed ministry maverick and church misfit, Jeff Lyle. So right off the bat, I want to be completely transparent with you and let you know I am not in the studio alone today. I have a companion in the studio with me. Um, She doesn't speak English. Um, Matter of fact, she doesn't speak any language because she's my dog. She is the Mexican queen. She is a chihuahua, and she has been our family pet for about, mm, I guess, about seven years now. Her name is Zoe, and I call her the Mexican queen, giving honor to her Uh, Mexican heritage as a Chihuahua. She is not pretty. She is not incredibly smart, but she is the sweetest dog that you'll ever meet. I'm looking at her right now. She stares at me and she has her tongue hanging out of her mouth, which is her common uh, countenance. And that happens to a lot of Chihuahuas and she is no different, but she is the sweetheart of this family. If you follow me on social media, you can see the occasional honorary picture of the Mexican queen, Zoe the dog. And um, she is wondering what I'm doing, why I'm calling her name. But right now she's just sweetly sitting in a chair watching me do what makes zero sense to her. You know, it's fitting that she came upstairs into the studio with me as I was going to record today's podcast because I want to talk to you about revival and the need for honor. Now, Zoe is not saved. Dogs do not get saved. And I'm sorry to burst some of your bubbles. You can argue all day about whether they go to heaven or not, but if they go to heaven, it's not because they got redeemed. It's because God likes dogs and wants them in heaven. But Zoe is not saved, and so she's never going to experience revival. But she does remind me of the concept of honor. And it's interesting to me that there are days where I am more inclined to honor my dog then I am inclined to honor the people around me. I say that to my shame, but I would have you consider that that might be something that you could say about yourself. Sometimes we honor things that don't matter more than we honor the people around us that do matter. And I want to talk to you today about this episode in Jesus's life where he showed the greatest amount of honor in the context of um, the hour of his betrayal in the season where he was just 24 hours or less away from suffering mightily on the cross. He knew that the time had come for his flock to scatter and abandon him. He knew that Judas was going to deny and betray him. He knew that Peter was going to deny him. And he knew that not a single one of the 12 that he called would follow him unto the end. And what is astounding to me in this is that in the midst of it, Jesus um, takes upon himself the lowest form of servanthood. In the midst of that, Jesus, in John chapter number 13, right before he was betrayed, you're going to find that that's where he took upon himself the, the garments of the lowest household servant. In ancient Hebrew life, it was the lowest servant's job to wash the feet of the people who came into a house. And so it was the night of the Passover and all of the big big disciples on the way to go and eat the Passover feast with Jesus, they had been arguing about which one of them was going to be the greatest, most awesomest dude in the coming kingdom. And so 
juxtaposed against um, Jesus making himself the servant of all was this prior discussion of the disciples jockeying for position about which one of them was the best disciple. It's incredible. And so they get to the upper room and none of the disciples were willing to humble themselves and honor the Lord, much less honor any of the other disciples by washing the feet. There was no servant there to wash the feet. And you've got to remember, there was no asphalt, there was no cement, there were no socks, and so feet got really dusty and grimy and dirty in the streets of um, Palestine and Jerusalem. And so when they got there, nobody would do it. So what is Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the highest among the high, the greatest among the great, the King over every King, the Lord over every Lord, what does he do? He doesn't read them a sermon about washing feet. He doesn't rebuke them for not washing one another's feet. He doesn't ask them, how come nobody's washing my feet? Now, Jesus honors them, honors them in perhaps what was one of their most um, undeserving moments where they had been clamoring for position, trying to make themselves to be the greatest in the kingdom and refusing to humble themselves and serve one another by washing feet. What does Jesus do? He takes off his outer garment. He finds a basin, he fills it with water, he takes a rag, and he begins to wash the disciples' feet. Now, this speaks to me incredibly in this season that we have been in for the better part of all, basically the whole year of 2020, and especially in the last six months where the church is so just incredibly divided. And I'm just going to be bold. Christians are being unkind to each other. Um, They are dividing over their politics. They are literally disobeying the frequently repeated command to fight for unity, to humble ourselves, to um, ensure and endeavor to keep the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. And so many Christians in their relationships and behind their keyboards and social media warriors and those brave souls that hide behind a keyboard and fire off grenades and, you know, let the shrapnel fall where it may. And then even in our churches, um, people fighting over whatever they want to fight about. And I've been thinking so intently upon this and watching that take place for months and months and months, and even feeling at times, if I'm being honest, that the the impulse in my own soul to, to say something snarky or to put somebody in their place online, or to give a rebuke, and you know all those things that our flesh will tempt us to do. And then I come to John 13, and I see Jesus washing the feet of these people, these, these men. And I'm thinking to myself, if the Son of God can wash the feet of these 12 men that he chose, and show honor to them, and prefer them, and serve them, if he can do that, what do I need to learn from this? And ultimately, it comes to this issue of showing honor and our need to show honor. And I'm bringing you a couple of podcast episodes in the context of us thirsting and hungering after a revival. And I'm going to be punctuated on this one. Revival won't come to individuals or churches or ministries that refuse to show honor and refuse to obey the command to go low and humble themselves and decrease so that Christ's presence and glory may increase through us. Revival is off the chart, um, impossible 
for individuals, Christians, churches, organizations that refuse to humble themselves. And part of humbling ourselves is to prefer other people above ourselves. And that's not just a philosophy and it's not just an idea. It actually has to be attached to actions. So that means if I want revival in my life, if I want to truly have the spirit of wisdom and revelation abide on me, if I want the power of God on my life, if I want unction, if I want a touch of God on anything that I do for him, if I want to sense his presence near and intimate and strong and, and beautiful, then that's not going to happen in the absence of me humbling myself and showing honor to my wife, to my children, to those with whom I work, to those um, that I am ministering. And basically, wherever I go, I am constantly having to choose, do I honor myself or do I honor others? And my flesh will never honor others. My flesh will always want to honor me. And so I have to be walking in the spirit if I'm going to be a person who shows honor. And I want to be that person because I don't believe revival comes to or through individuals that do not show honor. So let's just take a glimpse. I'm just going to do a glimpse. It's not a sermon. It's really to get you thinking along with me about this issue. But to whom did Jesus show honor in that upper room? Who, to whom did he take upon the form of a servant and wash their feet? Who benefited from that? Who, is it that, who are these guys that Jesus chose? Because what we can learn is that Jesus honors people that are completely different than you and me. What's interesting is for the 12 men that were in that room, they were all so radically different from one another, and yet Jesus uh, conferred upon them the exact same honor. He washed all of their feet, and he did it in the exact same way, making no distinction between them, even though they were radically different from each other, different personalities, different philosophies, different giftings, different ideas, and different trajectories that came about after Jesus rose from the dead. And so there's not only the issue of us honoring others, but there's this issue of recognizing that Jesus chooses to honor people that think completely differently than us. That's really what I'm getting at right now in this season, because so many people have hijacked the kingdom and put it under a donkey or put it under an elephant. And, and literally, I've seen such nonsense coming from both sides of the aisle online where people are doubting the salvation of other people who vote differently from them in the 2020 presidential election. And they don't realize how ludicrous, how presumptuous, and how highly offensive that is to the Son of God who took upon himself the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. And yet we want to say, well, I'm not about to honor anybody that thinks differently than me. And yet Jesus Christ honors those very people. He may not agree with everything that you or the other person thinks, says, or does, but he chooses to honor and serve them. And that's the lesson. And so think about the men that were in the upper room. I'm just going to run through these men with you. And, and ladies, don't feel left out on this. Of course, the original apostles were all men. But this is talking about the types of people. That's what I'm getting at today. And so we always like to start with Peter. Simon Peter um, is, is what I would call an impulsive man. So Jesus gave this cocky, overconfident disciple the honor of having his feet washed by Jesus. And even in the midst of Jesus trying to serve Peter, Peter said, Lord, you're not washing my feet. I'm not worthy of you washing my feet. That's a great idea, Peter, but you're actually rebuking the Lord. You're saying no to the Lord and something that the Lord wants to do. And so Jesus said, Peter, you're fully bathed, you're fully cleansed, but what I'm doing now, you don't understand, but you're going to understand hereafter, but I'm going to wash your feet. And so then Peter, 
being Peter, instructs the Lord and he says, well, don't just wash my feet, wash my head, wash my whole body. If you're going to do it, do it all. And that's when Jesus told him, Peter, look, um, you're not running the show here. I'm going to wash your feet and I'm going to wash everybody else's feet because he who is bathed doesn't need a full bath. He needs to just have his feet washed. By the way, theologically, Jesus is talking there about that. We don't have to get saved over and over and over and over and over again. When we commit a sin, we, we have to recognize that we've been washed in the blood of Jesus. However, when we do sin, we need to confess and repent of that sin so that he can wash up the defilement off our feet that we, the defilement that we've walked in so that we can be completely free. So Peter was this impulsive man. And Jesus said, I want you to be among my disciples. I I pick you and I pick you and I want you to walk with us. And as I'm about to go to the cross, I'm going to serve you, Peter. I'm going to give you the honor of having me wash your feet. I, the son of God, I'm going to serve you. Now, if you're an impulsive, bold person like Peter, you're probably thinking, yeah, that makes sense. But the list goes on. And so who else was in the room? Well, you've got Peter's brother, Andrew. Andrew is what I, you see Andrew in scripture. He is an extrovert to the core. Andrew's always bringing others into the presence of Jesus. You, you find that the little boy who gave his sack lunch on the hillside that day, who the bread and the fish, guess who found that dude? That little guy was found by Andrew. Andrew's always connecting with other people. There were some Greeks one time, some Gentiles that wanted to see Jesus. And it was Andrew that got them into the presence of Jesus. And so Andrew is kind of an extroverted, outgoing, evangelistic type of guy who consistently reached out to others. And, and Andrew was there in the room that night and Jesus washed the feet of Andrew, this very outgoing, extroverted dude. I kind of like to contrast him with Thomas because Thomas seems to be the opposite. Thomas seems to be a thinking introvert. He's more of the intellectual man. Remember, it was Thomas that struggled with whether or not Jesus was truly risen from the grave after he died and rose again. It was Thomas that said, yeah, I'm not going to take your word. You guys say one thing, but I need to see it. I need to know it for myself. And so until I see his his feet and his hands and his side, I'm not going to believe anything. Now, fortunately for Thomas, Jesus met him and proved that he was alive after the resurrection. And Thomas declared him to be his Lord and his God. And that was awesome. But in his natural state, Thomas was the opposite of Andrew. Andrew's the extroverted dude who is gregarious and connecting with others. And Thomas is the introverted guy who prefers to process alone and think. And yet, get this, extroverts and introverts, get this. Jesus honored both of them. They were both welcome in his presence. They both got served by Jesus by having their feet washed. The kingdom of God is not an extroversion or introversion. It's not in thinking or connecting relationally. These are not the limits that are in the kingdom of God. Jesus has room for for both. Then you've got these other two guys, uh, Philip and Bartholomew. And they were there in the upper room that night, and they got their feet washed by Jesus. So Philip and Bartholomew, we don't really read a ton about these two men. And I would just kind of submit to you that Jesus chose inconspicuous average people to, to be in his kingdom. They weren't superstars. We live in the day of Instagram and, and Facebook and Snapchat and you know TikTok and everything that is so in your face. Hey, look at me. And Philip and Bartholomew, they represent just average dudes about whom there was not anything publicized. And yet they were chosen by the Lord himself and they were honored by the Lord even though outwardly they don't have really anything said about them in scripture that's that awesome. Their awesomeness came in not what they had to offer, but the one to whom they were connected. 
And in our day of super celebrity Christianity that is really repulsive, to be honest with you, I'm, I'm not against God elevating somebody, but we don't live in the day of waiting on God to elevate one another. We, we, we seem to want to elevate ourselves. And Philip and Bartholomew were not outwardly elevated, but they were equally served along with the more notable disciples by having Jesus Christ wash their feet. Little is said about these two beyond the fact that they were selected by Jesus to be part of the Twelve. What about Matthew? He's known originally as Levi. And many of you may not know this, but Matthew had a very questionable past. And for his fellow Hebrews, he was tainted. He had a tainted loyalty to the Jewish people. Why? Because Levi slash Matthew was a tax collector who worked for the Roman government to collect taxes. And most tax collectors made their living by overcharging their fellow Jews. And whatever they overcharged beyond their quota, they got to pocket. And so tax collectors were despised because they were seen as thieves that robbed their countrymen. And they were seen as traitors that abandoned their loyalty to the Jewish people and served the Roman government. And so Matthew was a dude who would have been really suspiciously looked upon. But watch this. Jesus called him out of that kind of life and said, Matthew, come into my inner circle and I want you to be one of my disciples. And just hours before Jesus was betrayed, it was the feet of Matthew that Jesus was washing in front of all the others. Now, listen, to even heighten this, let me tell you about another guy who is Simon the Zealot. He's in the room with Matthew and all the others that I've named. But Simon the Zealot would have had the exact opposite political views of Matthew, the polar opposite. A zealot in that day, and it was a nickname, Simon the Zealot, he would have been so pro-Jewish, pro-Jerusalem, pro-Israel, anti-Rome, anti-government. He would have been a dude. Now listen, some of you won't like this, but Simon the Zealot would have been the ancient parallel to those that are protesting and maybe even rioting. The zealots were known as so anti-government, anti-Rome in the first century that they they would revolt and rebel. And Jesus called one of these people to be among his inner circle of disciples. So picture the awkwardness of Matthew, the traitor who is serving Rome, sitting in ministry and and for three years in ministry and, and preaching and proclamation and casting out demons and doing miracles. And he's walking alongside of Simon the Zealot and these two guys in the natural would have clashed immensely. They would have had hostility between them because Simon the Zealot would have viewed Matthew as a sellout to, to the patriotism of what it meant to be a Jew. And Matthew would have thought Simon the Zealot was just blind and, and bowing down at the altar of you know Jewish patriotism. And so these two guys were called by Jesus and they sat in the same room that night. And Jesus said, let me serve both of you because I've chosen both of you and you both have a spot in my kingdom. Something for us to think about in our day. Hey, well, let me give you a couple more and then, and then we're going to wrap up and I'm going to make some application about what we need to do with this example. What about James and John? James and John were brothers, and these two dudes were about as ambitious as anybody else in Jesus's inner circle. And they're in the upper room that night, and they're getting their feet washed by Jesus. But it wasn't too terribly long before where they got their mommy 
to go get a conversation with Jesus. And the conversation was kind of like this with James and John's mom. Um, Lord Jesus, you know, my sweet little boys, James and John, we've raised them so well. They're, they're awesome fit specimens and they're not quite like the rest of your disciples. My sons have a little extra special on them. And we were, oh, we three were wondering, could you give them a place of honor in your coming kingdom? We would like them to sit at your right hand and then one on your left. Would you do that for us? And of course, Jesus looked at her and then, you know, the guys are standing there too. And he's like, you don't know what you're asking. It's not appointed unto me to give the places of honor. That appointment is from the father and he'll give it to whoever he chooses to give it. My point being is this, is James and John were ambitious dudes. They really, really wanted the position. They wanted the power. They wanted the limelight. They wanted to be seen. They wanted to be noticed and they wanted the privilege. And yet none of that kept Jesus from not only including them among the disciples, but also honoring them and that he served them in the lowliest servant kind of way by washing their feet. It's just incredible to me that all of this was going on in the upper room. Um, let me give you the last disciple, and this will blow your mind. And if you're, if you're not convicted about your need to grow in this area of honoring others, if you're not yet convicted at this point, this one will get you because there's this one guy that we failed to mention. Who else is in the room? Who's in there with Peter? and Andrew, and, you know, Thomas, and Philip, and Bartholomew, and Matthew, and Simon the Zealot. Who else is up in there? James and John are there, of course, but what about Judas Iscariot? Judas is in the room that night. Judas is moments away from betraying Jesus, and Jesus knows this. Jesus knows that Satan had entered the heart of Judas and that very soon Judas was going to betray Jesus. And do you know that Jesus Christ washed the feet of Judas, his sworn enemy, the betrayer, the one who deceived and lied, the one who was stealing from the treasury of the disciples? Jesus Christ humbled himself and conferred honor in that moment upon Judas. It was the last time Jesus ever served Judas. I remember several years ago uh, going through the gospels and being impacted freshly by Judas's betrayal of Jesus. And I remember I, 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 I was so moved as I read the scriptures that I, I closed my Bible and I just sat there in the presence of the Lord and I, and I just asked the Lord out loud. I said, Lord, how did you feel when Judas betrayed you? I was actually going through a time in my life where I had been in my mind betrayed by some people that were close to me at that time. And I was feeling the weight of it. And I needed the Lord to enter into that with me. And so I thought the best way was for me to enter into what he felt. And so I asked him, how did you feel? when Judas betrayed you. And I sat there and I didn't hear an audible voice, but it, I didn't need to. It was so clear in my spirit that the Lord spoke to me. And this is what he said. I felt sad because I would never be able to serve him again. And I remember literally crying, just weeping because that was so different than what I was feeling. I was wanting God to destroy the ones who had betrayed and abandoned me and, and hurt me and lied about me and were slandering me. I wanted justice. You know, I wanted God to set the record straight and vindicate me. And so the Lord showed me, Jeff, I would never get to honor Judas again, never serve him again. And it made me sad. 
And I thought to myself, and I've thought many times since then, if the resplendent, peerless, matchless Son of God, Jesus Christ our Lord, can take into his omnipotent hands the dirty feet of Judas the betrayer, and if Jesus can wash the feet of Judas, then who am I to withhold honor from those who I feel might be undeserving of it. If Jesus, and by the way, Jesus said to the disciples in that room, he said, I'm leaving you an example that what I have done to you, you should do to others or one another is what he said. Isn't that amazing? Jesus didn't say, hey guys, I want you to honor me like I've honored you. He didn't say that. He said, I want you to honor one another like I've honored you. And so that's the lesson. The lesson is this. We can pray all day for a revival. We can ask God to do signs and wonders and miracles. We can ask for an increase of anointing. We can pray for a depth of spiritual giftedness, Holy Spirit gifting to find us. We can pray for all of those things, but I'm going to tell you something. None of that should be expected to find us if we choose not to intentionally, proactively honor other people. And let me say this, not just the people that are just like you, not the people that are just like me, but as a Matthew honored Simon and Simon the zealot honored Matthew and as the extroverted Andrew honored the introverted Thomas and James and John, the ambitious would have honored Philip and Bartholomew who had no ambition and nothing notoriety and notoriety about them. The example is clear to us that Jesus loves us to honor one another. Grace trickles down to the lowest place. Oil flows down to the lowest place. And when I think about my need, my need is this, to go lower. My need is to ask the Lord, how in the world do I have the ability to honor those who maybe even I don't believe are honorable? And the answer is this, Jeff, I'm the son of God. Everybody I choose to honor has in some way towards me acted dishonorably, but I choose to honor them because it's an expression of my love, my, my complete concrete identity and who I am. I am Jesus Christ, the son of the father, beloved and approved. So Jesus knew his identity. Therefore, he had no problems honoring those who did not honor him. So as I close today's podcast, let me just say this. Hey, friends, who do you need to honor? And as a whole church, the church of Jesus Christ, we who are born again, blood bought, who live under the constant grace, mercy, compassion, and honor of the son of God. He's honoring us today. How in the world can we continue to dishonor one another? And then we get in our little gatherings and we're praying for a revival and breakthrough and anointing and Holy Ghost power and all of these things. And yet we leave and we're dishonoring one another or people that think differently than us on Facebook. And I, you know, I'm tempted to go off on a political tangent here, but if your politics in 2020 severed your fellowship with others in the body of Christ, then listen, I'm going to be bold. You are shallow. You're shallow. You're not spiritual. You're shallow in that area. You may be sincere. You may love the Lord, but you're not hearing him. If you've sacrificed fellowship with other believers on the altar of your political differences, then I say this boldly, you need to grow up and the church 
Big C Church in America, we need to grow up the way we've operated with each other does not invite revival. It actually postpones revival because we're caught up in lesser loyalties and we're choosing to divide the unified body of Christ and Jesus. We're dividing it into political camps, philosophical camps, denominational camps, and ministry camps. So you've got plenty to think about. I'm so glad that you've tuned in today. Me and Zoe, the Mexican queen who is now asleep on the chair. She got bored with my podcast. I hope you didn't get bored with it, but listen, let's honor one one another as a an approach and on-ramp part of what we need to be as the people of God as we are seeking revival. We'll see you next time. God bless. To connect with Jeff, visit maverickmisfit.com where you'll find all his social media links, video resources, his book, Figuring It Out As I Go, and his weekly Transforming Truth blog. Thank you for listening to today's Mavericks and Misfits podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, Please subscribe, rate, and review Mavericks and Misfits with Jeff Lyle on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. Your review helps us to reach more people and spread the unfiltered message of Jesus. And don't forget that you can connect with Jeff's social media links at maverickmisfit.com. We look forward to reconnecting with you on our next episode.